Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today, our guest is Sagal Barnes, the VP of Programming at Lawline. Welcome, Sagal. Hi, Nicole. It's great to be here. Sagal oversees all operations in the Continuing Legal Education Department. She's responsible for developing program concepts, content, and events, and is a member of the Lawline faculty. Sagal litigated civil claims prior to joining Lawline in March of 2012 and is admitted to practice in both New York and New Jersey. Sagal, I've given our listeners some insight into your role and background. Can you expand on what I've said and give us a glimpse into who you are personally? Sure, absolutely. Um, like you mentioned, uh, I work for Lawline. I've been working for Lawline uh, for almost four years now. Um, I actually graduated from law school in 2010. I uh, did practice for a fairly short time um, litigating in both um, residential and commercial uh, landlord tenant law, and then also did uh, some transactional work as well. I moved into Lawline because uh, I wanted to kind of stay connected to the legal world, but um, wanted to kind of work a little bit more on the academic um, and uh, side of things. And I've been at Lawline ever since. Sure. Um, in addition to being an attorney and working at Lawline, I also uh, enjoy traveling. I actually just recently went to Vietnam and Cambodia. Um, I love to cook. I love actually all things food. Uh, and I like to write about it on the side. Sagal, I assume the work you do today is very different than the work you did as a lawyer. What do you miss from your law firm days? And what do you enjoy most about the work you do today at Lawline? I think the thing I probably miss most is being able to be completely immersed in a very specific practice area. Um, you know, when you're practicing, you're very in tune with what's going on right now in a specific area. So the case law, the statute, you know, developments, um, what clients are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and so I kind of miss like having a really true and in-depth knowledge of a very specific area. But I guess to going to the next question, um, what I love about what I do right now is kind of understanding, um, in digestible pieces, kind of what's going on in a lot of different types of practice areas. So, you know, I, I really get to talk to various different people from various industries um, and get a real glimpse into kind of what's going on. What are the, you know, what are the new changes? What's going on? What are the clients dealing with um, in a variety of different, in different areas? I'd have to imagine that that is a big part of your work. The world changes, the needs of lawyers change from an education perspective. And the example I can provide is I was interviewing a partner in a major firm, and he was talking about SCC requiring lawyers to disclose things around climate change in reports and wanting that this could be a whole new area of law. So that's just an example. But I'm assuming you have to deal with that in your work, developing coursework and content that has to do with new and changing things. Absolutely. It is the number one thing that I have to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And I'm lucky enough to have a group of attorneys that I work with uh, internally at Lawline. And really the number one thing that we recognize from day one is that um, we don't know everything. 
um, and that we need to employ many different resources to kind of gain a better understanding of what the law is now, where the law is moving towards. Um, and we recognize that it can't always come from one source. And so we are very diligent in kind of focusing on a variety of different sources to bring in that information, whether it's, like you said, speaking to various practitioners that are dealing with things on a day-to-day basis, speaking to potential clients and seeing what their expectations of where things are going and what they expect things to be like. Um, in addition to, of course, you know, the standardized ways of kind of researching things whether it's law journals, case studies, things of that nature. Um, and then lastly, you know, using our own um, understanding of the market, taking all of these points, putting them together, discussing them, and then kind of translating them into educational programming. One of the things that must be interesting, too, is you work with lawyers at all different stages of their careers. How exciting, right? So you've got some lawyers that have been practicing and, and are needing to get their uh, credits for a particular year, but they could have been practicing for 30 years. I mean, how do you balance that? Is there ever any reason to balance that? Or is it you create a product and it's pretty much absorbed the same by folks that have been practicing for a few years versus uh, lawyers that have been practicing for decades? something that we kind of have to think about every single day. Um, And there's kind of two different ways that we look at it. The first way is there are, I mean, there's different experience levels, there's different understandings of a certain area. And so we have to make sure, you know, that we're either one providing a foundational kind of platform so that people can get to the next level and kind of are able to understand the more advanced issues that are involved. Um, But we also kind of have to balance that with the idea that even the most experienced practitioner will always encounter something new um, or have a client that's bringing a new or novel issue to them. And so um, it's kind of balancing the educational aspect of a program to say, okay, you know, here's the foundational understanding just in case you don't understand some of the more advanced um, topics here. But also um, even the most experienced practitioner sometimes needs to be kind of given information in a very approachable way in the event that this is perhaps a new area or industry that they're not familiar with. Of course. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Lawline has experienced tremendous growth, reaching 2 million listens, 100,000 unique lawyer clients. What do you believe differentiates the Lawline offering versus other offerings? I think it really comes down to two things. Um, The first one is the course offerings, the actual substance um, of what we're offering. Um, And, you know, I had alluded to this a little bit before, but, you know, all of our programs are are developed in-house. They're curated by our attorneys in-house and they're done in collaboration with a variety of different people and sources that are outside of Lawline. Um, And so what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of new and changing content. You're going to see, um, of course, we're going to always address the staples, um, you know, the fundamentals of various different practice areas. But um, because we are so focused on uh, making sure that we have an ear to what's going on in the industry, um, you're always going to see also the most updated information, the most updated um, kind of developments that are going on in both the legal industry as well as the business industries, right? But in addition to that, I think also what differentiates ourselves from others is our technology. Um, you know, we create programming that is for an online audience. Um, it is designed to kind of help with retention from an online perspective. Uh, we're not filming things and then putting them, you know, online afterwards and, you know, just for people to access. But we're really creating things with the online viewer in mind so that they can kind of get the best thing, best kind of experience. But in addition to that, we're, we have uh, kind of these different 
technological perks that allow uh, for people to kind of better use our content. So for example, we have something called smart notes. Uh, a user can watch a video online um, and then they can also take notes simultaneously. Every single time they take a note, it is time stamped to that video. So Nicole, if you were watching something and wanted to go back, you can take a look at your notes. You can click on that note. It will automatically bring you back to that part of the video so that you can hear that conversation again. Um, in addition to that, you know, we have webcasts which are live interactive videos that allow people to ask questions real time from wherever they are. So, you know, the accessibility from anywhere around the world to this kind of content, um, as well as to these experts, these uh, these various attorneys that are speaking, um, gives uh, people the ability to kind of be able to have a conversation regardless of where they are. You know, I love that use of technology. I'm sure that is a huge differentiator. It is such a big market right now, adult education, and how can we use technology? And to be able to create an environment that appears or gives the benefits of seeing each other and being live, but in a way that's flexible, how fantastic, right? So you can make it easy for these very busy, um, and not busy, but very, um, you know, people that have a lot of responsibility, give them an opportunity to really experience a wide variety of, of learning. I think that's fantastic. And because there's no, we don't, you know, like I said, we're, we're an online company. So because there's no brick and mortar costs, you know, we actually make sure that we also pass on kind of that savings as well. So, you know, not to get too much into like that kind of idea, but we, we want to make sure that it's affordable across the board as well. And so, you know, by allowing everything to be online, we also allow for a more accessible price wise to our, to our customers as well. That's a great, that's a great point and a great factor. As you know, Left Foot is focused on business development. Can you describe the business development work you do for Lawline and any best practices you would recommend to others who are in business development? Sure, absolutely. So um, one of the major uh, incentives um, for our faculty that teach with us is there are a lot of business development and marketing opportunities that go that align with um, someone teaching a program with us. So. Um, of course, first and foremost, the conversation always starts with, you know, Lawline is educational. We're an accredited um, institution and we have to ensure that everything comes from a place of educating. But because we have a very large uh, client base, um, this allows for an attorney to be able to share their expertise with a lot of different people, um, allowing them to share who they are, what their practice does, um, how they help others. And then um, all really ideally it what what it does is it creates a relationship between our faculty and our customers so that they can help each other later on whether that's through referrals or that's through um, other business development opportunities it allows us allows our faculty to kind of connect with a lot of people at one time through one program if I'm a law line faculty member and I do a class I'm talking about my practice wherever I am as lawyers that are taking the course, I could get referrals from them. Is that one way that as a educator through Lawline, I might be able to grow my business? There are rules in the sense that they have to be able to adhere to the accreditation and educational rules regarding the program. So you're not, you're not necessarily like the program is not, um, and this is a conversation we have all, all the time too, because we want to make sure that, you know, we're first and foremost providing the best educational product to our clients, but we 
We want people to create relationships with potential clients or other colleagues through the sharing of their knowledge and their expertise. So, um, and that's something that I think is just, it's really important as in a business development practice generally is, um, you know, it's not really good practice to say, Hey, like I'm great because of X, Y, and Z and look at how I can help you. But it's more like, I'm going to share how I help others. I'm going to share how I represent my client. And through my sharing of my knowledge, um, I hope that you'll understand that when the time comes and you might need my services, that I'm the one that you'll think about because you see how I help others and you see how I diligently practice. And so that's really the way um, it kind of works, um, is being able to really show value and through that value, keep your name, um, in someone's head when they need you. I think it's a great approach. So when we talk about business development, we talk about speaking, we talk about content development. So writing, we talk about networking and, you know, networking internally, especially at a large firm as well as networking externally. And I have to say something that's come, I think, from the millennial generation specifically, has been this idea of the intention is to help others, right? And to inform others and to be helpful to others. And you can actually, I think, take that as your business development approach. Give, you know, you're out, you're giving, you're helping, and it'll come back. Absolutely. And it, and it's funny because you see it, it's, it's almost... Um, it's almost kind of humbling to see because we have, you know, we have a lot of, uh, we, we try to facilitate conversations with our faculty and our clients, even after let's say the initial filming of the program so that there can be a continued conversation. And, you know, I get to firsthand see, you know, various customers asking for clarification on a, you know, on something they learned or, or trying to gain better insight into something and how receptive, um, you know, the faculty are. And then I, you know, I get emails from people being like, thank you so much. You know, I met so-and-so through a online program and now we're great friends or now, you know, we help each other, you know, we're co-counsel on a case or, um, in certain circumstances I've seen, um, people start firms together. Um, and so there really is, um, it really is a wonderful thing to see how much um, people give and how much they actually end up getting out of it as well. That's fantastic. So let's chat a bit about the other coursework that Lawline develops, the business courses that are not specifically about the law or interpretation of the law or application, but on the business of law. Can you chat about the different courses you have and maybe some of the themes that exist within those courses? Because we do think that obviously being a strong business developer requires that a lawyer understand the business of their clients and what it takes to be a strong and healthy business. Absolutely. And so um, the first thing that I'm seeing a trend in um, is industry-based programs. Um, and what that means is, is that you're seeing practitioners talk very specific to their practice area as it applies to an industry. And I think that that actually might, um, speak to kind of, I think a, a larger shift to a more kind of specialized way in which, which attorneys are practicing. But, um, I'll give you an example. Um, we had a, a bunch of industry events, 
last year where we focused on the food and beverage and agriculture industry. We focused on the aviation industry. We focused on, um, we even got even more specialized and went into like, you know, drones and kind of what are the various legal issues that, you know, are kind of arising from that industry. Um, and what you're seeing is you're seeing people understand that their clients are not a practice area. They don't look, you don't look at a client and go, Oh, well, that's a family law matter you know, or, oh, that's a matter. No, they're a person, they're a whole person, they're a whole business. They have various issues. Some can be family, some can be labor and employment. Some can be, And so you're seeing practitioners kind of understand better what the legal issues from a variety of practice areas as they apply to an industry. And so I'm seeing that as a shift as far as understanding businesses better, more so as like a larger entity of various issues touching various practice areas and less about, you know, less like imposing upon them a specific practice area. In addition to that, I'm also seeing, um, you know, different legal services being offered to businesses from a kind of a, and I guess this kind of goes with what I just said, but, you know, from a general counsel or an in-house counsel perspective. So you're seeing a lot of businesses that are maybe not like the large, I'm not talking about the large corporations, but, you know, the small to mid-sized businesses that can't necessarily afford a general or in-house counsel. So I'm seeing a variety of firms that are being created to kind of provide part-time general counsel or in-house counsel services. And so you're seeing programs that kind of provide insight into how those law firms are being created and the type of services they're being provided um, to kind of respond to that. And lastly, I would say, and this really comes from a stylistic program technique, um, I'm seeing that attorneys attorneys recognize the business of law. And so when they come to teach a program, they a lot of times they bring their clients and they bring their clients so that the client can speak to the business. They can speak to the business issues and they can speak to what their expectations of a business are. And then the attorney is there to kind of bring the legal issues and the legal perspective so that each program really kind of encompasses both sides. And I think that that really shows like a true response of the legal industry to kind of making sure that they're more business savvy in their practice. I love that idea. And is that when they bring those clients, is it a general counsel that's coming or often is it a pure business person? Yeah, no, um, we, it's both. Um, We've had general counsel of you know, large corporations and hospitals uh, come in with, you know, their attorneys and they speak to the kind of the various issues. Um, and then sometimes you'll see, you know, actual business experts that'll couple up, um, you know, that collaborate with attorneys and they'll collaborate together to kind of create something to help people better understand how to represent their client and business matters. No, that's fantastic. You know, the other point you made about the kind of this new economy that we're all experiencing in our life, the shared services economy, and the fact that there are um, many law firm or lawyer or law or legal based shared services entities out there where you can basically buy time. Um, It's interesting. I'm sure for very seasoned people, they never thought this would happen, but it just makes sense based on, I think, based on, you know, what's happening in the rest of our lives that you could buy legal services in in a similar way, online, et cetera. Absolutely. I mean, everybody, and I I love, I mean, it, it is, it's buying time. Everybody, I mean, time is 
the number one thing that lawyers have to think about when they think about representing their client. They have to think about how do I represent my client in the best way, in the most time efficient way so that I can create a good experience and then also, you know, make sure that I adequately represent my client. And, um, and I think that you're seeing that in everything, whether it's legal technology services, whether it's alternative billing arrangements, whether it's, um, you know, starting to watch your CLEs online instead of being able to have to travel, you know, and spend time doing that. I mean, it's, it's really kind of prevalent in every part and you're seeing it. Um, yeah, you're seeing it develop in everything. So Sigal, are you seeing a, a large interest from your clients in getting education around the technology that lawyers use? Has that come up? Is Are, are more of your courses really talking about the different technology that's available or is it pretty much maybe the same amount, just different technology? Um, I think that there are certain areas where the technology discussion, so there's, I kind of, I guess there's two different ways I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hearing when you say technology um, in the legal industry. And I guess the first one is, you know, uh, legal technology in the sense that um, it's technology services that help support, let's say, an attorney's process. Um, so things like Clio or, or various e-discovery platforms. And yes, I think that I'm seeing, uh, especially when it comes to the e-discovery space, you're seeing a lot of um, kind of desire to make sure um, that they understand th this technology um, and see how it can help them and make sure that they're kind of abiding by the rules. Um, but uh, what I'm not seeing, and I and I and I guess it's not. Uh, it's interesting because I, I I was talking to someone in my accreditation department uh, a few days ago about this. Is that you know there is talks from a CLE perspective um, about you know whether there is merit in requiring attorneys to better understand technology as part of their educational process, and um, it's. As far as I'm, I know, there's no real requirement yet. But what I am seeing is that um, really every single client has a technology issue in one way or another. Um, because I mean, it's whether it's just as simple as using an email. Um, there is a lot of legal issues that need to be kind of considered when you're advising a business or a client. You know, technology is prevalent in every client, and but not only that, if it's not prevalent in the client's case, it's prevalent in how you interact with your client. And there's a lot of ethical um, issues that are that are present um, in light of technology and our use of technology. And so attorneys are very curious as to kind of how technology plays into their correspondence with their client, but also it, it also does play into every client in the sense that every client uses technology. It's a really strong point. Let's go back to the discussion around legal shared services. Do you think that there's something innovative about that from a business development perspective. So as we have partners in law firms or individuals who are out growing their own legal practice, you know, what have you seen that you think is innovative about that more shared services approach? Well, so the big thing that I'm seeing, and it's funny because I just went last night to an event where I spoke to a law firm from the Netherlands who was visiting New York to potentially create a partnership um, with a with a local law firm in New York, and um, and what you're seeing is is globalization at its best. I mean, truly, you're seeing these small boutique domestic law firms that are collaborating with foreign counsel, and they're basically extending you know their firm's geographic scope 
um, through these shared services, through this collaboration. And what that does, it's so cool because what that does is it allows for clients to truly get like a really local counsel through their, you know, through their, their, their attorney. Um, and when I spoke to this firm specifically, they were saying, you know, they, they worked in international trade and they said, you know, it, you know, it's very localized. Um, and, uh, they want to make sure that when their client is asking a question of very, about a very specific region, that the answer comes from someone from that region. And they're small, they're a small boutique firm, but the scope is national. I mean, it, it's global. And, um, and, and that's what I'm seeing. And I, I think, I think it's actually extremely, extremely beneficial for the client. Um, and it's extremely innovative on the law firm's part. No, I think that's a great example. And it's one that, um, you know, I think we're going to see over and over again, especially, you know, this world has gotten smaller, whether it's because of technology, likely because of technology, but that idea that you cannot, you, you can't have the expertise in every area in your own firm and have it be economical, right? Even the large firms, I think, are discovering this. So that idea that you can partner with the a strong person in that area that understands it and has the experience. Our new world is, you know, you go local to get the best advice. People want local. I mean, it's, it's call it a trend, call it a fad, call it whatever you want, but not even just the legal industry. People want local. You're seeing it all the time. You're seeing people want locally sourced foods. They want, um, they want a local experience. They want to know where their clothes are being made, where their food is being made, you know? Um, and, and it's just people People want to understand that what they're kind of getting is the best and it's coming from like the purest and like kind of the best source. Right. And so um, it, it's it's kind of prevalent in, in all of society. I think you're seeing it. Um, but the legal industry is it's definitely responding to that. Right. And it's probably quite necessary, too, because laws are different in different places. Our listeners are millennial, they're mobile, they're global. You have many people that you talk to in your work fit that absolute definition. What would you suggest to them as they either are going out on their own and starting their own companies, starting their own practices, if these lawyers are in larger firms or even mid-sized firms, and they're starting to look at becoming a partner and have to take on business development as a responsibility, what would you recommend? What, you know, what have you seen? What have you heard? What did you do yourself to uh, grow business and make sure that you were expanding your network? The f- first and foremost, I would say... Uh, one of the best things that I found from a networking perspective, because networking is this kind of like weird word and everyone kind of hates it. Like, what does it mean? And like, I'm always, it's super awkward and I never know what to say. And the first thing that I would say is stop networking with other attorneys. Like, I know that that might be a crazy thing, but stop doing it because networking with other attorneys is great and you'll do it because by virtue of being one and being around them, it will happen. So stop taking the time to like find those events or find those opportunities because they're, they're already prevalent in your world. But what I would say is start looking as networking as just having, uh, going out and, um, kind of being a part of a community that you enjoy, um, whether that's philanthropy, whether that's music, whatever the case may be, because at the end of the day, those are the clients. Those are the people that are going to give you the insight into what they want. Those are the people that have attorneys or have other people that will be able to refer you or talk to you or give you insight. But these are the people that are going to, first of all, you're going to be able to connect with them better because you're going there for 
a reason other than networking. So you're actually creating real true relationships based upon a real interest. And once those relationships are formed, that's where the insight's going to come from. It's going to come from, you know, their other relationships, their understanding of what their needs are. And once you create those, your network expands significantly, your client base or potential client base expands significantly. And networking becomes less of this like weird awkwardness and becomes more of something that you're just super happy. You're having a great time because it, it, it kind of aligns with kind of what you, what you want, what you're looking for. Um, second of all, I would say, um, don't be afraid to get out there. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that I'm seeing specifically in my job is that, you know, people get nervous, you know, well, it's a lot of people. I, I want to share my expertise. I want people to know, but you know, does it really, you know, I'm a little nervous about how I'm going to look, you know, don't be afraid to get out there. You know, people, attorneys can be intimidating, but they can also be extremely forgiving. Um, they're really, really actually very understanding when it comes to like public speaking. And when you come on, you know, you're, you're definitely have a support system of people who are truly there to kind of hear what you have to say and learn and are less judgmental about all the other things. So, you know, get out there, share expertise, um, and people will appreciate that. Um, obviously as an attorney, I have to be like, make sure that you always adhere to all your ethical, all the ethical marketing rules. So like, I just make sure that you, um, especially as times are changing and, um, technology changes, it's really important to kind of keep abreast of what is going on in the ethical world to make sure that you're constantly, um, adhering to like all of the changes in the ethical rules. Um, and lastly, I guess just add value, you know, and this I, I had said a little bit earlier on, you know, it's not about shouting about how great you are or who you, you know, or about your services, but it's more about adding value to people's lives so that they remember you when the time comes and they need you. Fantastic group of points there. And we, we talk about left foot just reminding people who are listening about the things that actually make a difference. And those three points are right on. I mean, that idea of, you know, get out there and network give it a try, stand up. The pe people are forgiving. Lawyers are human. Business people are human. You know, they will be forgiving. So Sigal, thank you. Thank you for sharing your thoughts uh, with our listeners. Any last points you'd like to share before we say goodbye? Um, lastly, uh, well, first and foremost, thank you, Nicole, for having me on. This was really fun and I really appreciate the opportunity. I would encourage anyone that has any questions about anything that I discussed today to feel free to reach out to me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot.